Thomas Mulcair joins us. It's a Mulcair Monday. He is the former leader of the federal NDP, now our political analyst. Nice to have you, sir. Good to be with you, John. So Bonnie Crombie won the Ontario Liberal leadership on Saturday. Not entirely a surprise, although I suppose there could have been an upset. But she begins her, well, I guess, charm offensive today because she's going to be in our studios at 9.05. Oh, great. That's a really good catch. Good for you. Look, I think that Bonnie Crombie is a great politician. I I know her. I've had a chance to meet with her and talk with her personally. And I I just find her very engaging. What's interesting, though, is it wound up being quite a bit closer than anybody was really expecting. I don't know too too many people who are predicting anybody else would win this thing. But 53-47, that's close. And what we saw is a very good political move by uh, Nathaniel now calling himself Nate Erskine-Smith, and Mr. Nackfee, who's the the MP from the Ottawa area, they got together and they just basically told their supporters, look, make the other guy your second choice. And and it worked. Uh, you know, he came that close uh, to, to catching up with Crombie. I think that she's making a, a smart political calculation because she understands that politics in Ontario and indeed in Canada is played in the middle of the road. So she's hewing there. She's saying sometimes, the, you know, the NDP's on that side. I'm going to go after Doug Ford's votes. In other words, she's not making it her priority to try to steal votes from the second place, you know, the official opposition NDP. She just basically wants to replace Ford. Now, that makes some liberals uncomfortable because they say, well, you know, we're supposed to be a more progressive party than that. So I think that one of the first things you should ask her when you get her there is, are you going to try to keep Nate Erskine-Smith in your fold. He has shown himself to be able to talk to the more progressive side of the party. He's you know, mildly aggressive about this stuff. He pushes hard. He's obviously a good politician. I think that he's got to be a key part of her team if she wants to have a chance of not only trying to steal votes from Doug Ford, which she will do, but she's also got to try to steal votes from the NDP. You've headed up a party, of course, the uh, federal yep. NDP. So I, I guess it's uh, it's quite the battle to, first of all, consolidate your leadership. Although it yes, is, I don't exactly. think there are that many people who are embittered by uh, Bonnie Crombie being elevated. But then no. she's got to position herself as the number two party, if not the, the number one party. Yeah, exactly. And and that <laughs> that's a really good way to put it, because it, indeed, she's got to project that. Which, which, which is something she does. You know, she shows up and she's projecting, I got this. And that's what's unnerving Doug Ford, you know, his immediate slight, you know, he, <laughs> compare and contrast. Marit Stiles, very classy, welcome, you know, welcome to the team. You know, we're all in this together. You know, we're going to work hard for Ontarians. And Doug Ford just huffing and puffing and saying, you know, mean things because he's going to be Doug Ford with regard to a new rival. But make no mistake, <laughs> the Conservatives are very, very worried about the arrival of Bonnie. Crombie on the political scene in Ontario. What do you uh, make of Pierre Polyev's, speaking of charm offenses, um, he was on with <laughs> Jerry Agar on uh, Friday morning. He was quite charming. He sunk his teeth into an apple because they supplied him with uh, some apples just to <laughs> make fun of that silly video. But, you know, like he posed for a picture on uh, social media with Joe Cristiano, who, you know, is the producer here on our yeah. show. And he looked like a very happy guy. Look, uh, you, you don't wind up 
almost 20 points ahead of the sitting prime minister if if you're doing things wrong. You know, he's got this figured out. He's heading for that same spot that Donald Trump headed for when everybody thought he was just going to get creamed by Hillary Clinton. And lo and behold, there he was. He was the president of the United States. There's this sense about, you know, in a lot of democracies right now, we're seeing it around the world where people are just tired. You know, they're coming off the pandemic. They're they're surly. They're angry at their governments and they're they want stuff to change. And I think that Aaron O'Toole had a good word for it. He called this, you know, politics by algorithm, because you can be sure that the people around uh, Poitiers have got a very good source of information. They know how to tap into frustration. Look, Trudeau backed away from his signature piece, the carbon tax through in Atlantic Canada on home heating fuel because he was getting clobbered. So he pulls back, gets beaten up by people who actually care about climate change and the future and the type of planet we leave for our kids. And then what happened? Nothing. The Conservatives are still way ahead in Atlantic Canada. You know, if there were an election tomorrow, they get crushed. Now, there is one thing that's playing out here. This is the attempt by the Liberals to style Poitier, to portray him as being a MAGA in disguise, MAGA of the North. And I think that it's not going to work. And there's one thing that they're not figuring is that if there's an election in the United States before the next Canadian election, there's a pretty darn good chance that Trump will come back. So if that's your main play against Pierre Poilievre, what do you do once Trump is back? Do you keep using his name as an insult in Canadian politics? I don't think that they've they've thought far enough ahead on this stuff, but they're they're not giving up. I mean, I watched, you know, the Trudeau and the Liberals, you, you take the progressive vote. If you take the NDP and the Liberal vote, and, you know, the NDP you know, consider themselves far more progressive with good reason than the Liberals. But you put those two together and you're still ahead of the Conservatives. So this is going to be a battle. One, are the Liberals going to be able to pull off their classic ploy of talking to NDP voters and saying, not this time. Sorry, you have to give our, you know, give us your vote. Otherwise, this guy gets in. Or is there going to be maybe something a bit more formal? I mean, you know, Singh wasn't shy about signing a deal with Trudeau. Is there going to be the possibility of them looking at the uh, at Poiliev coming in and just saying, okay, we've got to, in, in the interest of the country, we've got to bury the hatchet on a lot of our other stuff and try to put some of our forces together. I'm going to keep an eye on that. The parliamentary session is winding down and the House leader for the Liberals has already signaled a few things are going to be set aside. So what do you think Trudeau's going to do in these waning days? I think in these waning days, he's just going to try to land this thing without any more damage. He's going to do his end-of-year interviews. He's going to be on with people across the country. He's going to try to start setting his message track for after the holidays. You know, John, I'm still not convinced that Trudeau's actually, in, in his heart of hearts, going to stick around. I, I, he he knows how to read polls. He knows that this is insurmountable, although no less a figure than Brian Mulroney likes to remind us, he, he always uses the same joke, but he says, you know, my polling numbers were sh- shoe sizes before my second election. And he w- came around, came up with the North American Free Trade Agreement, or the act, you know, at the time Canada-US, the Liberals fought against it, he went to the, the ballot box on that, and he crushed John Turner in that second election. So, you know, Trudeau's got lots of Lots of people around him who are very smart. He's brought in a new part of his team. He's going to start sharpening his message. Can he start building up those numbers again? When you're this low in the polls, you can only go up. And that's Trudeau's hope. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, when you're ready, poached one of our people, actually. Max Valaket was a pundit <laughs> yes. here. I always say it, it's proof that radio can lead to something. <laughs> um, I mean, it, yeah, it, go don't, ahead. don't count Trudeau out is my basic message. Yeah, uh, not a lot of time left on the clock, but uh, this conference is going on with 70,000 delegates. I don't know how you do yes. that. That's bigger than a concert. And uh, apparently <laughs> the president of COP28 says there's no science behind demands for a phase out of fossil fuels. That's a good yes. start. <laughs> Who knew that having a conference of the parties to deal with global warming, holding that in the United Arab Emirates, it was a bad idea. So Sultan Al-Jaber has told the world, look, this is not true. There is no science <laughs> to prove that getting rid of coal and, and oil is, is going to actually help in the fight against global warming. And he's, he's warning us that it's going to take the world back into caves if we ban coal. And so uh, I heard Stephen Gilbo trying to justify going to a meeting in the United Arab Emirates. Some groups, some very serious environmental groups just said, we won't go. And you just mentioned 70,000 people. How many planes is that, John? Mm -hmm. How many planes flew into the United Arab Emirates so that people could get into, like you say, you know, a, a football stadium and say what? And to listen to the United Arab Emirates saying, you're, you're all delusional, we shouldn't be fighting climate change. I mean, it's it's a, an incredibly bizarre decision, and it should never have taken place there, but uh, there they are. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure on a Monday morning. Talk to you soon. Thomas Mulcair on a Mulcair Monday.